Good morning, church. Before I start, I just actually want to say thank God. I want to thank God for the opportunity to be here this morning. And I want to thank God for your prayers. I've been on what had been on well this week. And so to be here is a real privilege. And I really want to just give him glory. Um, my name is Yuli, and um, I am here with my two beautiful girls, Anika and Gabrielle. My husband, Leo, wasn't able to join us. He's on another assignment. Um, but it's such a privilege to be with you this morning. I've traveled from Cambridge, not too far. Um, and we have three compassion children who we also com- consider as part of our family. So technically, we have five kids, except I can only live with two of them. <laughs> um, I want to thank Andy and um, Jane for inviting me to come and share with you this morning. And just a little bit of intro, Jane and I met last year at B Conference, and I really felt that it was like a divine moment. And then following that, we got to connect a little bit further, and I'm so grateful that I get to be with you this morning. And yes. I wish I loved them at that age. And then they grow up. (laughs) No comment. But I get to work for uh, an organization called Compassion. And um, this morning, I'm here to share a little bit about what Compassion, who Compassion is, what we do, um, and also have the opportunity to bring a word of encouragement a little bit later. For those who have never heard about compassion before, actually, before I start, who have heard about compassion before? Oh, wow. That is impressive. Brilliant. So for the benefit of those who have not heard of compassion before, compassion is an international child development charity that empowers the most vulnerable and poorest children and families across the world. It all began back in 1952, about 70 years ago. And since then, we have seen one million children gone through the program of compassion. But it all started with one man. His name was Everett Swanson, who was posted out to um, South Korea. And his mission out there really was to serve the American troops. And during the war, the most vulnerable people were children who were left on the streets. And one morning, he went out for a walk and saw the plight of those that had been abandoned and left and were just treated as rubbish. Now, he really got moved, and he was compelled to do something. And God challenged him. As we do as Christians, when something catches our attention, we start to pray. And when we pray and we're ready to hear God, we may respond. And he responded. And that's how compassion began with 32 children in an orphanage. And so far in 70 years, we have seen over 1 million children graduated through the program. But currently, we still have 2.2 million children that are registered in the Compassion Projects, all across the world, in 8,000 churches, across 
27 developing nations. And you can see some of those nations up there. And that has grown. It used to be 25, but over the past few years, that has expanded to 27 nations across the world. And their lives are being changed forever, eternally forever. It's really great to see some children in the room. I can hear some outside. And even, I'm going to ask some questions. Adults, you are involved. How many of us had breakfast this morning? Maybe Cocoa Pops, maybe porridge. Who had a full English? Oh, maybe next time. Maybe next time. And I suspect that most of us are going to stay for lunch and also have some dinner later. But would you know that tonight more than 375 million children will go to bed hungry? What about our rooms? Any of the children, does your room look a bit like this with comfy beds, colorful walls? Or who struggled to get out of the duvet this morning? <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> yes, we all do. Some of the most poorest children don't have the privilege of having their own bedroom or even a bed to sleep on. In some cases, they sleep in the same room with their mum, their dad, their uncles, their siblings. And it's the same place where they would do their cooking, their entertaining, and everything about life. Some of them also don't really have the privilege of having clean water. I bought um, this water from Tesco's yesterday, and who would like to share it with me? <laughs> exactly my point. So I'm actually going to take this back because the water that I paid for is not what I can see in the bottle. But would you believe it that many children who are living in extreme poverty are having to drink dirty water, the same water that they are sharing with the animals that they are looking after. And I've, I've actually seen this for myself when I visited Kenya. Water that is causing diseases, curable diseases. I met a girl called Rose last year, and she told me that she shared a room with 16 people. So that was her mother, her grandma, 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 her siblings, her uncles and aunties. She also shared that they had to walk some kilometers to go and fetch water. At age five, she had to carry two, four liters, two, two liters of water each side. I actually did have those two liters with, um, to bring this morning, but I forgot to put it in my boot. But it felt heavy, even as an adult. And I can't imagine young children having to go and fetch their own water. And that means that they can't go to school. That means that they can't live the life that they've been created to live. Many of the children don't go to school. 
because their parents are not able to afford to send them to school. We have the privilege of being able to send our children to school through our public schools. In some of the poorest nations around the world, you have to pay if you want your child to go to school. Kristen Welsh said that we change the world when we meet the needs of another. And it all starts with one child. Compassion is releasing children out of poverty, and it's all in the name of Jesus. But it's all also done through the local church. How many of us believe that the local church is the hope of the world? It is through which God in himself works his wonders, he works his restoration, his healing. And so we work through the local church. And we love our neighbor. And that is the most vulnerable. And those are children. And like I shared before, we've seen over one million children graduated through the program. Many of them have become doctors. And you would have seen some crafts on wooden crafts on your table if you've managed to put some pieces together. Some of them have become doctors. Some of them have become nurses. Some of them are teachers. Some of them are business owners. Some of them are leaders in their own communities. Some of them are world changers in governments. And it all starts with one child. For £28 a month, you can change a child's life and they are able to feel the benefits of hope. They are able to go to school. They are able to learn the good news. They are able to learn things about themselves. They are able to expand their brain. They are able to be all that God intended them to be. They are also able to eat healthy, nutritious meals, otherwise that they may not have. If a family member can't work, it means that the whole family cannot eat. But it also means that they get to know that Jesus loves them. Because through the local church, they are feeling known, they are feeling loved and protected. And it's also through a relationship with a sponsor. I want to show you Janie's story. My name is Janie Alam and I was born and brought up in the city of Kolkata. I come from a small slum community of 10,000 people who share two toilets and one tap. The magnitude of the problem in Kolkata is massive. One and a half million people living in slum dwellings and caught up in this vicious cycle of poverty. But change is possible, and I know that because it happened to me. As a young boy, I looked around, what I saw was people starving, people suffering, people powerless to do anything to help themselves. When it rained, the city was flooded, so was our community. I grew up with diseases like malaria, dengue, diarrhea, losing friends to these diseases. People think poverty is just lack of resources, material, food. It's not just that. Poverty is the state of hopelessness the state of powerlessness, uh, it's being scared to dream in life. One day, everything changed for me and my family. My father found out about some people who were helping slum children. 
and he took me there and I got sponsored through Compassion. Compassion gives children all over the world the chance to go to school, eat nutritious meals, receive medical checkups, learn life skills and be part of the local church. Compassion works in partnership with the local church who are best positioned to know and meet the specific needs of their community. Together, the local church and the sponsor help to release a child from poverty. I've never met my sponsor in person, but he wrote me letters constantly, telling me that he loves me, he prays for me, he cares about me, asking about my family. I used to do little paintings and sketches for him. Over the years, we've developed this relationship which makes me feel very loved and special. I was the first child in my community of 10,000 people to actually go to school. I think it really empowered me to make positive changes, not just in my life, but my family's and my community as well. By God's grace, I managed to score the highest marks in my school. I studied business, I did a bachelor's in business administration uh, from Calcutta University, and then I got an offer from Manchester University. And in December 2014, I graduated with a first class master's degree in international business. I look back, I am very thankful to God for what he has done in my life, but I am very excited because I believe he has equipped me to make a positive change in someone else's life. I have become a sponsor myself now. I'm sponsoring a little girl um, who lives in a slum dwelling uh, made up of abandoned drain pipes. I'm looking forward to writing letters and investing in her life and, and journeying with her to see how she flourishes and breaks herself and her family from the vicious cycle of poverty. My sponsor has completely transformed my life. And to be very honest, it really scares me to think what my life would have been, where I would have been, had he not chosen to sponsor me that day. To anyone who has been considering becoming a compassion sponsor, um, I would like to say that from my personal experience, I know compassion sponsorship changes lives. It breaks the cycle of poverty. So please, just do it. Amen to that. That is kingdom impact. Is it not? That is kingdom impact. And for £28 a month, a month, for some of us, that may be more than we spend on takeaway each week or even more than we spend on our coffee each week. But that changes a life eternally, forever. And it starts with one child. Sometimes we can feel, feel that the need is so great, but Jesus would go for the one. And this morning, I want to challenge you. Can you make room for that one child? There are, you'll see child profiles, just one child on your table, if you're sat on a table. If not, there are a few dotted around. This morning, would you ask God how he can use you to create that space and welcome that one child that through you, their life will be changed. Not just for them, but that the ripple effects affects the whole family. It also affects the community. It also affects the nation. And effectively affects the kingdom of God. And that's what we are going after. Amen.
Lastly, Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 40, whatever you did for the least of these ones, you did it for me. Bless you. Now, when Jesus heard about John, he, re- he withdrew from there in a boat to seclude himself by himself. And when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This, is, this, this place is desolate and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and two fish, and and looking up to heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. There were about five thousand men who ate, besides women and children. Thank you, Lammy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, and thank you for your breath in our lungs this morning. Holy Spirit, I welcome you, that you'll speak through me with your power. And in truth, I ask that you would open our hearts and expand our hearts for all of who you are, that we will be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of us can say that we are living our best life and actually fulfilling all that God intended for us to be doing in our short time on this earth? Anybody? Because if you are, I want to know your secret. <laughs> I really do. And when I really look and make an assessment of my life, I feel that there is more. There is more that I need to fully embrace. There is more that I need to fully discover as I journey with God, as I open myself up to him. And it also means that I need to learn to Fear less, worry less, and allow his spirit and his power to really take root so that I can fully be an expression of who Jesus is in this earth, being the salt and the light as he called us to be. But how do we do that? How do we do that? When you look at the scripture, the background to the scripture that we've just heard, there's a lot going on. Jesus has been with his disciples and he spent time with them intentionally, teaching them, nurturing them. He's also sometimes chastised them. But they were on a journey together. They were in a relationship together. And he got to learn that his friend had been massacred, John the Baptist. And the king who had killed him was not really impressed about hearing all of Jesus' wonders and him sharing the good news and people flocking to him. 
Jesus' life was threatened. He had a lot going on. And so he decided to just go away to a quiet place. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when we have a lot going on, and there is a lot going on around us, we just want to close ourselves off and just focus on our own situation. But Jesus, as he was on the boat, he saw that many people were coming to him. People who had been with him were following him when he was leaving. And they also spread the word like Chinese whispers to other people, come and see Jesus. And people came wanting to see Jesus to experience who he is for themselves. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. He could have easily sneaked away. He could have easily just, you know, just hurried up on his boat. After all, if you're on a boat, it's definitely quicker than walking. But he had compassion on them. He possibly may have felt a little bit compassion fatigue and nobody would blame him. How many of us have felt compassion for fatigue, especially over the past few years with everything that has been going on? Whether in our own family situations, whether in our communities, whether even within your church family, there is always a need that we feel that we need to speak into or we need to meet. And that can be overwhelming. Or am I on my own? But I want to encourage you this morning. Galatians 6, 9 says that, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Jesus never gave up. He never gave up on people. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on me. And the most amazing thing is, our existence, we do not just exist for ourselves, because his plan and purposes are far grander than what you and I can ever imagine. And he calls us to be part of that. And that's why with his disciples, he was walking with them, journeying with them, teaching them. Greater Good magazine defines compassion as literally meaning to suffer together. It defines it as, feeling that as a feeling that arises when you are confronted with someone else's suffering. And you have that gut feeling to do something about it. Jesus had that compassion for people and wanted to do something about it. But the disciples, on the other hand, had compassion fatigue. They were ready to send people out. They told Jesus, you know, it's been a long day. Let them go to the nearby villages and, you know, they can sort themselves out. Sometimes. How have we responded when the need arises? Have we felt that prompting, but then we can think of all the different excuses that we have? And before you know it, we walk away. Priscilla Shara says that our lives can compel those closest to us to know that our God reigns. 
And our faith can excite them to discover the power of God for themselves. And that is Christ shining through us. When our lives are fully immersed in Christ, when our lives are fully devoted to him, when our lives, our hearts are open, openly expressed in him, others can see it. Others can taste it. And they can discover God for themselves through our existence. I remember the time in my life when um, it was a really hopeless time, a few years ago. And I could not see the light out of the tunnel. I'm a Christian. I'm tongue-talking believer, praise-worshipping woman. And yet, I couldn't see the hope in the darkness. And one morning, I called our local child, um, child, children's centres. I don't know if they still exist. And a lady picked up the phone. I don't know what I said to her. But within a few minutes, she came to my house and gave me a listening ear. She didn't stop there, but she made sure, going out of her way, that I had all the support and care that I needed. That day felt like heaven came down. That day felt like I really uh, received compassion, Jesus' compassion through that lady. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. But she showed me compassion. And I felt and saw that glimmer of hope in the distance. Imagine if, as a church, Jesus says, at your next summer fete or next summer feast, you should feed everybody, every single person that comes. It may be 5,000 plus. How would you respond? Honestly, I want to know. Ask Sue. <laughs> Where is Sue? <laughs> How would you respond? Some of us may respond, yes, come on, bring it on. Because we may see us an opportunity. But some of us may think, actually, how are we going to do this? In our world full of uncertainty, people need to know that Jesus cares. People need to know that he's able to do much more than they can imagine. Around the world, a lot of people are suffering. Even in our own communities, many people are suffering. And according to the World Bank, there are over 685 million people that are living in extreme poverty. Half of those are children. And they are living on less than £1.78 pence a day. I can't even buy half a dozen pack of eggs with that in my shop. The need is great. And poverty doesn't only speak to people in their physical needs. It's socioeconomical, it's emotional, but it's also spiritual. Jesus asked the disciples to do something. He challenged the disciples to do something. And that was a teachable moment because he could have done a miracle easily. He could have just said, right, let manna rain because it had happened before. But he wanted them to be part of the miracle. He wanted to be in partnership with the miracle. And that's what Jesus wants to do with us. 
that when we make ourselves available, that he can partner with us, that whatever little that we have can be multiplied so that those who need to experience his love, his compassion, his healing, his provision, would really taste and see that God is good. Amen? What has God given you in your hands that you are thinking is too small? What gifts has he given you and you are thinking, I don't have what I need. I need to, you know, have all the qualifications before I can step out. What business idea has he given you so that through that, his name can be glorified and many more people can get to know about Jesus? What dreams and visions has he given you that you have forgotten because the worries and anxieties and the circumstances of life has choked the hope that you had? Jesus used what the disciples had. They had five loaves. And two pieces of fish to feed 5,000 men. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't say how many children and women were there. But in their mind, that was not going to be possible. But in Jesus' hands, it was multiplied. And everybody had what they need. And guess what? How many baskets of leftovers were left afterwards, 12. And how many disciples were there? Six? Eight? Did I hear? Twelve. Jesus doesn't only cares for the poor. He doesn't only care for the marginalized. He doesn't only care for the broken. He also cares for our own needs. He cared for the disciples and their families. Now, in their limited mind, they could not have foreseen the abundance that they were going to receive, even with the little that they brought. And church, whatever you have been given, in Jesus' hands, it becomes much. Because in his kingdom, he is wanting every heart to know his love, his restoration, his goodness, his peace, his joy, his hope, his healing. And that's not just for you as a church. That's not just for Belleriki. That's not just for the UK. That is to the ends of the earth. And so why would someone like Everett Swanson in South Korea As a minister, what business did he have to do anything other than what he went there for? But he saw a need and he felt compassion. He didn't not, he'd not only feel it, but he took action. And can you imagine the eternal hope that is forged 
when children who have only ever known hunger, disease, and all the disadvantages that is caused by poverty. Can you imagine when they are introduced to Jesus? Can you imagine when they are introduced to hope? Maya Angelou said that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Hope is a feeling. And we can give those that are lost, those that are marginalised, those that are seen in our society around the world as lowest of the low, we can be a source of hope. And it begins with the one. I want to share Richmond's story with you. My name is Richmond Wondera. I come from a country called Uganda. My mother was a very loving mother. My father was a very hard worker. But unfortunately, when he was murdered, everything changed for us dramatically. We ended up in a slum called Naguru, which is Uganda's worst slum. Naguru was dubbed the forgotten community. And life on the street was extremely difficult. The things I did to survive. Poverty robs children of the dignity of choice. I would have chosen school, I'd have chosen food, I'd have chosen health. When this compassion staff member came to our home and told my mom that Richmond has got a sponsor, and the amount of dancing that filled our home was beyond description. My sponsor began to write to me, and I just I felt known, I felt connected. They basically helped me become a child again. My pastor invited me to be part of the pastoral leadership and I established the Pastors Discipleship Network. And so the Pastors Discipleship Network exists to train and equip African pastors. Right now, we celebrate God for 6,000 churches that have sent their pastors to be a part of our program. So what started as one decision sponsor one young African boy has ended up not just changing the boys' family, but the boys' church and the boys' community. It's the best possible investment a person could ever make. The children that we see today will be around long after we are gone. And to invest in them, I can't think of any better investment. And so anyone who's thinking about sponsoring a child, do it. Do that. Because you're investing Jesus had compassion on them. He has compassion on you. He has compassion on those that you're praying for. He has compassion on the least of these. And this morning, whatever that you have in your hands, no matter how little, how much more would it be when you entrust it in Jesus' hands? How much more can he do through you when you respond in obedience? I don't know what has dropped into your spirit this morning, 
But I want you to pray and trust God. What gifts and talents have you been given? How can you make room for a child in your life, in your family, in your church? How can you fully live the life that God has created you to live? In the fullness of his spirit, in the fullness of his power. That with the little, he can multiply it. In Jesus' name, amen.